Begun. <laughs> I'm Darth Zero. Darth Camgen taste, motherfucker. And Darth Rictus. All right. So the world championships start tomorrow. Did anyone know that? No one ever does. <laughs> I I knew it. I just wasn't thinking about it. No one ever does. What I love about the world championships is that you get these deck lists ahead of time, but more importantly, you get to see the metagame breakdown and know what the actual uh, metagame of the format should be. Because if you get 32 pros that are all putting in some pretty crazy time playtesting with full playtest groups, it's different than ladder play. You know what I mean? It's not as loose. It's not as experimental. It's trying to test to win. Loose and experimental does sound fun, though, doesn't it? It is. It but is. You, you frequently do want professionals. <laughs> all the same. Uh, can you guys Professionals get... can be loose and experimental. I know. That's what I'm saying. They probably have more experience doing so. I trust in them. More than just what I'm finding on a ladder. Well, what do you guys... Okay, take a guess from me. What's the deck that uh, is for standard top deck that the pros chose? Just Wait, deck or colors? Deck. So toss Esper me... Esper mid. Toss me an archetype and toss me a percentage of the meta you think it took. Esper mid. Uh, there are 32 50, players. 50%. So uh, I'll 16 say 16 players. Huh? You think 16 players are on Esper mid? Yeah. What about you, Darth Gamson, Taste? Um... I, I don't even know what's in standard right now. I haven't checked in like two weeks. I'm, I'm gonna say, um, I'm gonna say glint eye nephilim and zero uh, percent. So it is sixty nine percent of the standard meta is Woo -woo. Esper. Yes. All right. Fine. Nice. <laughs> I know that's what Frank Carson said too. All right. You know, like, I wish it was sixty nine percent Jund, but... and I, you know, Frank probably does too. But actually, Jund is. Fairly well represented. I think a couple players have that. Yeah, but not no six. Did it make it to, it make it to like percent? I'm saying like more than one player. More than one player. Oh, okay. Everything <laughs> else is one player. Because I was like, that. based on what you just gave, we might have a balanced field of a bunch of different decks and then the rest Esper. <laughs> yeah, we have 22 <laughs> Esper players out of 32. So there's 10 left. There's like I think two Jun players and everything else is one of us down the board. That now for is... the rest of my life, I'll know that 22 <laughs> divide. That's that's not 69 percent. It's 68.8. We're rounding up. I I respect that. You know, but like if your tongue doesn't reach, it doesn't reach. <laughs> the context of that. Anyway. How are you going to round up reality? <laughs> okay, so they, it's, it's standard and it's explorer. And uh, the explorer meta, same thing. Archetype and percentage. Toss me your guess. It's explorer. What are, what are they exploring? Like, are they uh, freshmen? Okay. Like sophomores? Uh, Rakdos. <laughs> Uh, those are so many flavors, though. Shoot. How to describe it. But I think Rakdos is going to be the most played. Rakdos mid. That's Rakdos sack. Like, are we talking cat oven Rakdos? We're talking we're very different decks. Mid, not cat oven. Okay. There, I'll make that distinction. So how much field? 69%. Uh, 30. <laughs> Rakdos mid makes up 3%. Only one player. Tw 25% of the meta is Grease Fang. 22% is Ragdos Sacrifice, 16% is Mono Blue Spirits, and 13% is Timur Transmogrify. 
it's a weird explorer field. Okay. It is not what I expected at all. I expected it like 50% on Rakdos. It's like flat. Rakdos kills Grease Fangs, so... Yeah. Um, Do you remember that Irma? And it kills mono blue spirits. Me? Yeah. So, well, what what's what's this plan here now? I'm so confused. I think it loses <laughs> to Temer Transmog because people don't oh. know how to play the matchup. I remember we played it at one point because Temer Transmog is just a remix on Gruel Titan. Per Murga okay. okay. You remember the Gruel Titan list we were playing at the yeah. very beginning? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it the version of it that made it further is Temer because it has shark typhoons to give you end step things to do and mystical disputes, etc. But from what I understand, it waffle stomps Rakdos mid because it goes over the top of it and plays, you know, Titans. You can beat it with Rakdos if you're smart and a little lucky, which we did. And I remember we had the epic match where we had a Seekus Chariot. They had a Seekus Chariots, and we kept Hidetsu going, uh, consumes all to get rid of the tokens. Mm -hmm. and we keep got them fucking off. lucky, though. Like, we played tight and got lucky. That is yes. substantially <laughs> bigger mid-range is a match that you should lose without having to even look at what the decks are or the format is. That said, Rakdos gained a fair number of weapons that have helped deal with the mid-range uh, people going bigger. Lily of the Veil does help a lot in these scenarios because you can sit it and just say, okay, we're going to end the curve at like five mana for everybody because we're just going to tick this up aggressively. And now you're going to be top deck mode with five lands. If you've got a clock to back that up. You have to have the if clock. If you don't have the clock, then everyone just Children. top decks. You make your land drops and sooner or later, oh shit, they can play their seven drop anyway. You, you got to close the game out before that they can catch up to you with their top decks that will outpace yours. Thankfully, you play three Shieldred in Rakdos mid now, <laughs> and that thing clocks. I, I ran across Shieldred so many times when I was playing that white green angels list in uh, Explorer. It was just like, <laughs> I don't care about you. <laughs> I've never played a card where the correct number was so obviously three. <laughs> Shieldred. Yeah. Right, because, you know, when we started playing it, I threw in like one or two, but then I drew them. And oh, God. And then you go to four. Right, then you go to four, and you're like, okay, this is clunking up my hand every now and again. You go to three, it just, I've never, I've never had a three of that works better than Shieldred. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why, but you're absolutely right. Three of for that has felt amazing and is in most of the decks that I'm playing these days. Um, I'm, I'm curious, though. We talked uh, three months ago, I want to say, about the Grease Fang ban that might be coming. And with 25% of the meta being Grease Fang going into this event, do we think the, the Grease Fang bans coming at the end of Worlds? Not unless a couple of the, the deck lists actually go undefeated. No. I, I bet the players who play it will just get banned. <laughs> <laughs> there is that distinct possibility as well. I might vote for in that because next, if they're coming with Grease Fang. next step regarding the pros, we're banning them. <laughs> I mean, I would really prefer that Wizards just did go ahead and... I don't, I don't think if you actually have to ban Grease Fang. you girl face, you don't belong here. I think you could just ban Parhelion. Okay, and leave Grease Fang for all the other combos with the Seekus Chariot. And it's not that strong, but it is interesting. That allows Grease Fang to survive, lets people still play an interesting deck, but the, I think the Parhelion's what makes it too I unwieldy. I don't think Grease Fang really survives, honestly. Without Parhelion to give you the basically win right now scenario, I don't think Grease Fang's good enough. Well, that's my point. What's, what's better for the format, ban Parhelion or ban Grease Fang? I think Grease Fang probably is good enough. It, it just wants more toys. Okay. Sky Sovereign right. and Nasikas are good. Like but, we, we need yeah. to look at we need yeah. to look at Grease Fang the way we look at Stoneforge Mystic. Mm. Where like Stoneforge, yeah, I mean, if all it can get is a Loxodon Warhammer, it's not really a good card. But you know, if it can get a sword of feast and famine, you know, we're in business. So you, if you don't need the batter skull, you just need a sword. Right, or you go, right. you know, with it. So if Grease Fang, and... Grease Fang's got Sky Sovereign, that's pretty fucking good. Got a Seekas chariot, that's pretty fucking good. Um, if you've got a deck that wants 
some number of like hard hitting, but kind of middle of the curve vehicles. If you're on color or you're close to on color, seems like tossing in a grease fang, as long as you've, you must be a creature deck because your vehicles. Right. I don't think it's like a, you build around it necessarily, but there's, there's a lot of value to that just incidentally happening. So you're saying, you know, some Abzan lists that are just mid-range and throw a Grease Fang or two in because they're already playing the Chariots and the Sky Sovereign. Sure, or or maybe we get back to a place where we can do Mardu again. Interesting. And, and if we're doing Mardu vehicles, then Grease Fang's great. Okay, okay. I can see your argument on that. That'd be interesting. Or That's they could a, just, uh, one other thing. Hmm. We could just make Grease Fang like, I don't know, a 1-1. One, one. <laughs> nerf it to a 1-1 one, one so it can't crew the thing itself. Can't nerf or explore. Only right. Oh, shoot. Can't. Ban or no ban, baby. Oh, well, yeah, ban then. Uh, ban, ban Parhelion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with Parhelion. That, that card was just like a dollar rare until Grease Fang came along. <laughs> it was, everybody had to read it again, you know, because it was, it was in that broken set. We opened packs of it, and you read it the one time, like, never mind. This, this costs a million mana. It doesn't do anything by itself. Right, and you just kind of move on, and it, it it was it was a card that nobody really remembered the text of until Grease Fang <laughs> came along. I don't think it will be missed. <laughs> Fair enough. It was born in the darkness. <laughs> oh man, it was malformed. <laughs> so the weekly, like for this weekly meta review, Esper is dominant, but I think wizards screwed up in how they presented it because they're like 69 percent of the field is esper they didn't specify which of the three esper builds because there's tempo there's mid-range there's control and these are very different decks Aha! Uh -huh. and they didn't differentiate so either they're all one of those three or they're just not differentiating for shit maybe they all pull your hair <laughs> either way oh. i i can sense that there might be another standard ban coming if esper it's all mid-range or tempo I could I could see something occurring. What we would they ban? Wedding announcement. Flat. Really? Ooh, that's what I would. Really? That'd be, that's it. Flat. That's what I would ban if I were trying to keep Casper so? out because that's the engine that keeps it in against all the other decks. You get rid of wedding announcement and it has to play a very different game. Like that card is a staple across all three archetypes, and it it's the reason that these decks can just kind of sit around and dirtle, and then Rafine gets insane. Isn't that card one of the things keeping like? black control and stuff in check because of Liliana and things. You still got Fable. Fable keeps Lily in check pretty well. It, it shifts the focus over to red instead of white. But, I mean, to be fair, if you really wanted to stabilize the format, you'd ban Lily, Fable, Wedding, Announcement, and then it's free-for-all again. But those are the three engines, you know what I mean? And they keep I, each other I don't other think we're going to see that. I don't <laughs> think Lily's powerful enough to ban. <laughs> it would be if we don't have all those token makers at three mana that are engines also. Perhaps, perhaps, but keep in mind when we've got a flagship Planeswalker, even one at three mana, mm. it's got to be really bad before they ban it four months later. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get that, but I could see them taking out Wedding Announcement as, a, okay, there's been enough Esper time for Grixis to shine. You know what I mean? That would be such feel bad. Yeah, but I don't know what else you ban out of Esper. Do you ban Rafine? It's an inherently fair card. You can cut it down. You know seems what I mean? Like, it seems like... You know, you're talking about Grixis specifically. That that should be able to catch up with Exper once the mana's better, and Grixis can play uh, Invoke Despair. Esper gets Invoke Despair too because they both get Underground River, which is what they're both missing. But they're both a but Invoke is equally effective against Wedding Announcement at just cleaning up the enchantments sitting around. Sort of the Wedding Announcement decks, it's a lot worse than the Fable. We'll put it this way: Invoke against a Fable deck cleans up Fable nice and clean. 
uh, against wedding announcement, you got to hit it the turn after they play it or else it's not very clean anymore. So it's, it helps mitigate it, but it doesn't really solve the problem of wedding announcement, which is why I think wedding announcement's the card that needs to go. And if it's not wedding announcement, I could see wandering emperor, but I'm I don't think they'll is, do it. Is as simple as like the more invoke despair we see, mm. the worse all three of those cards get. Also, I don't think they get rid of wandering emperor. Invoke doesn't hit plane. No, it does. It does. It, it does. Yeah, I'm, think, I'm thinking of farewell again. So yeah, all three of those cards get weaker as invoke sees more play. But the reason mono black isn't viable right now, in my opinion, is wedding announcement. Like that is the big issue with mono black is that you play, you can't play Lily into those decks. Lily, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And you don't have other good three drops. But this brings Lily in, don't this brings in the next no point. It is, it is spoiler <laughs> season. And we've got some insane cards coming in that they've already spoiled. So is it secret layer insane clown oh, posse? I, or is this from the steam mech thing? This is from the next set, Brothers War. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. We've, we've Real got five, cards. Yeah, yeah we've these. got five cards coming in here, and they are all pretty strong. So let's start with Teferi, Temporal Pilgrim. Uh -oh. Their flagship mythic. Uh-oh. It is three blue-blue for four loyalty. Whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on it. Dangerous with Connive already. Imagine Rafine drawing five cards and this thing just going nuts. Now, here, here are the abilities. Zero mana, draw a card. So basically plus one, because when you draw, you get the loyalty counter. Minus two, create a two-two blue spirit token with vigilance, and whenever you draw a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature. Minus 12, target opponent chooses a permanent they control, returns it to their hand, then they shuffle every other non-land permanent into their library. Okay, that's pretty good. It's relatively balanced, but the knife can go kind of nuts, depending on how things work out. Because it does create creatures. What's that its starting loyalty? Four. Four. Like it'll take a moment, but this is a kind of deck where if you have like Rafines and Shieldreds and Teferis, Teferi's just natural at the top end of that curve. Well, and that card's gonna complement Wandering Emperor wonderfully. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it'll complement that curve very nicely. So that's a big get for blue. It's it's a hell of a snowballing kind of card. Yes. Of like if you have an advantage that is probably going to make your advantage almost insurmountable. If you're behind, it's not great. It's not terrible either. You can still get a creature, but it's only going to be a 2-2 when it hits, and it doesn't clean it up anything else. It's a stabilizer card when you're both playing at parity, I think. Yes. It's not a come-from-behind card. Exactly. I think if you're at least at parity, it'll pull you ahead and quickly put you in a place where they can't come back. But either way, that's the, that's the first. So bear with us. Here. Reasonable so far. Next up involves a mechanic that's brand new. It's called Prototype which means you get to cast the spell with a different mana cost, color, and size. Ooh, I read about this. And it gets to be a different size of what it is. So the card is... How hard do you want to work? You get a bigger one. Uh, Phyrixian Flesh Gorger. Seven, oh, God. <laughs> seven mana. I'm not joking. <laughs> it's a Phyrixian Worm. It's seven mana. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> it's a 7-5 for 7 with Menace, Lifelink, and Ward. And the Ward is pay life equal to its power, which is 7. So you got to pay 7 life to target it. That said, you can prototype it in for 1 black black, and it's a 3-3 with Menace, Lifelink, Ward, pay life equal to its power. And it's a 3-3. Because the prototype thing, what it does is whatever casting cost you cast out, the only change to it is the different casting costs and the power of toughness, all the abilities on the card stay. Okay, so it's like a split card. Yeah, pretty much. 
Yeah, they, they found a new way to split cards up so that they work on the early and the late no, wait, end of the it's, curve. It's kicker. Kind of, yeah. It's kicker. Creature yeah. kicker. It's just kicker. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that's that's how they set it up. Um, You're not wrong. This card for mono black feels like it's great. You know, a 3-3 three, three for 3 yeah. with Menace Lifelink and Ward equal to its power. No, this might be able to... Aggressive black might be a thing. Also, if you find a flicker effect, when it flickers, it doesn't come back as the prototype already confirmed by judges. It comes back as the full size. Makes sense. Okay. So that's fascinating. Love to see that. Uh, the so, other so the Frexian flesh gorger gets bigger. Yes. If, if you it, make it disappear. If for you a make second. it, yeah. If you make it disappear just for a second, <laughs> you know, just a little while. Yeah. And, and then it, and then it's back. It'll one, come back the same size or bigger. One pump and it's not a chump. Mm. Best way to put it. One pump ready to dump. <laughs> and it's menacing. <laughs> There's a weird one. I don't think it does this... have protection. <laughs> Pretty this, good protection, too. This next one's weird. I don't know if it's good or not. I'm very curious what the hot take is on this. It is Herkel, Master Wizard. One blue blue for a two four human wizard advisor. At the beginning of your end step, if you've cast a non-creature spell this turn, reveal the top five cards of your library. For each card type among non-creature spells you've cast, you can then put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand. So if I've cast an instant and a creature, and I look at my things there, I can take an instant or a creature. And a creature. Only non-creature spells. Only non-creature spells. But if you have like instant sorcery, you can pull both. Yep. So, interesting in terms of an engine. I your think end step or each end step? Your end step. I think it's too weak. I think so too, but commander play players will love it probably. It's got all the spice, you know what I mean? Mm. They like dirtily cards that do kind of things. <laughs> I feel like that's just the de facto answer for competitive players who don't actually play commanders. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a stupid card. Commander players will like it. Doubling season proved my point years ago. It's a different format. Doubling season's busted in commander. You're doubling, you know, everything i'd say what's busted in commander was pretty well defined by what your uh, cousin did at mayhem with elf ball winning turn two against like that wasn't him i thought that was him oh wait it was yeah, yeah. i built no no yeah. i remember that was the round robin tournament yes it was not like commander it was melee yeah and he killed everybody turn two yeah and then they said no to the prize pool yeah i, I put that together for him Yes, <laughs> of course you did. I, he said he wanted to go play, and so I'm like, "This, what's the rules on it? Or this, I'm like, all right, this is just evilly abusive and just goes off its old combo elves." Because he said, I, "I was like, this is melee." Yeah. So this, this is what you this is what you're not taking into account, though, and and this is this is why he got fucked on that is that commander isn't a tournament environment. Even though it will get played in tournaments, it's it's a repeat game thing. You're not going to play this round and then move on and play another round against somebody yeah. else. 99% of the time, you're just going to shuffle up again and play against the same three people sitting at the table. Right. So, say you bring a deck like that that can just boom, turn two, boom, turn two. You might, they might let you do that two or three times, but even if they let you do that indefinitely, everyone's going to get bored of that. Right. So people can play broken shit in Commander, but the like Commander fixes itself because, okay, you went off and you killed everybody really quick around the table, but good good job spending like six hundred dollars for fucking forty five minutes of entertainment before everyone's sick of it. 
This goes back to the original comment, though, that this isn't a competitive card, but Commander players will probably love it because it dirtles. No, they, they probably it's won't not like competitive. it. That doesn't mean it's not competitive. It, <laughs> yeah. it means it means that like Hulk Flash type things that's just like, boom, I win. Is it just it rotates itself out. So it's still a powerful format and it still uses really good cards in in most commander tables I've ever sat down at. The decks are good. And the cards in them are good. Mm -hmm. It's just a different kind of good. It, it, it's like a mid-range paradise. It's building a balanced cube. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a mid-range paradise. Everybody wants the games to be super interactive and last a long time and play things and get value and get swept and shit like that. Putting a six-card combo in your deck that's convoluted is fun. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Next on the list, Gix, Yogmoth Praetor. One black black for a 3-3 three, three friction praetor. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, that creature's controller may pay one life. If they do, they draw a card. Now, it also has another thing. It has kind of an ult. Four triple black, discard X cards, exile the top X cards of your opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells from among them without paying their mana costs. So just... When you late game, the card just be okay. It's already drawing you cards to get to late game, so it gets you to late game, and then just goes. I'm gonna play my opponent's deck. Yep. Yeah, like these cards. My my hand sucks. Give me yours. <laughs> I've got a grip of seven. Yep. So with that in the friction flesh gorger, we have the three drops that mono black was kind of lacking because prior to this, it had Lily and Trespasser, which are good, but yep. Lily's not correct in the main right now with Esper being correct. what it is. So now we can just put Gix and flesh gorgers into well, the one. Three doesn't drop always want four graveyard trespassers either mm -hmm. right it's a fine card but sometimes yeah in these decks i wish i'd been able to just like play two and do other things yeah but okay i can see this so this is the three curve getting fixed for black hard <gasps> i like that that's intriguing uh last but not least we have urza lord protector tight one seen this one blue white human artificer legend two four Artifacts, instants, and sorcery spells you cast cost one less. Cool. That will be a commander yeah. staple. <laughs> yeah. And then seven mana, if you own, both own and control, Urza Lord Protector and an artifact named the Mightstone and Weakstone, exile them and meld them into Urza Planeswalker. <laughs> okay. So there are multiple instances. I don't actually have the other ones saved, so I can't tell you what it melds into. Well, Mightstone and Weakstone, by the way, are original magic cards. Yes. <laughs> but I know this, and I also know that there is one that just got spoiled. I haven't pulled it up yet. That is uh, Titania is also a melding planeswalker in this one. Okay, cool. That's, that's cool. So they're starting to meld them with the plane itself. Titania melds with Gaia. Urza melds with the Mightstone and the Weakstone. What does Mishra meld with? I saw like an advertisement online for this set and i saw that there was a flip side of a mishra something yeah, yeah I, th I think darth zero is pulling it up but they've it, it's intriguing where they've moved into the melding i mean we're back to flip cards because of it oh here we go i've got uh all right there's mishra claimed by gix two black red legendary creature phyrexian human artificer three five whenever you attack each opponent loses x life and you gain x life where X is the number of attacking creatures. If Mishra, claimed by Gix, and a creature named Phyrexian Dragon Engine are attacking, and you both own and control them, exile them, then meld them into Mishra, lost to Phyrexia. It enters the battlefield tapped, and attacking, it's a 9-9. Nine, nine. 
Does it have like a bunch of abilities or is it just a 9-9? Looks like it's just a 9-9. And Phyrexian Dragon Engine is three artifact creature Phyrexian Dragon, double strike, 2-2. Two, two. When Phyrexian Dragon Engine enters the battlefield from your graveyard, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw three cards. Unearth, three, red, red. Nice. That's fascinating. And I know they're doing multiple versions of Mishra and Urza in this set. Like there are uh, the versions of them as prodigies, like artificer prodigies. There's the version of them as lords, and there's versions of them as melded walkers. And there's there's like four versions of each of so them. So this is kind of like Magic Origins or what, whatever set it was where we got the uncommon, uh, like rare and like mythic G planeswalkers. Jace Friends Prodigy and all the other Jaces or what? I don't know if it was that set, but you know, like the, there, was, there was a set where we got like an uncommon Chandra. No, it wasn't Origins. It was a well, no it was a Lovecraftian cards. set. I don't um, think it was. Thali, it, Thali Heretic, 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 Heretic. Yeah, that was in a three-two. Heretic Cathar or some shit. Yeah. No, I think it was a core set because it, it what the set I'm thinking of it had the the Chandra, the three mana Chandra that can make a red mana, or it can maybe it can't make a red mana, but it can it makes the the elemental token. Acolyte of Flame. Right, so the set that was in, it was like that Chandra, and then there was an uncommon Chandra for four mana. And then there was a mythic rare Chandra that was like enormous. Yeah, that was one And then they did that for each of the other colors. I think that was the same one with Vrind's Prodigy, because they, that, was, that was in a core set as well. And I'm pretty sure it was that one or the one after where they did that. I'm not sure which, but regardless, regardless. Yeah, they're doing the same kind of thing. They're doing uncommon versions. They're doing rare versions. They're doing mythic versions for sure. So the, is the mythic version the one that melds? I believe. Yes. The Urz one isn't. So I don't, I don't, well, no, it is. Never mind. Yep. yep. The mythic one melds. The rare ones just have kind of cool abilities and the uncommon ones are good for draft and not much else from what I've seen. So anyway, interesting. New set looks like it's going to be spicy. It's going to have some interesting cards to throw around. I think the dragon engine might might see an interesting play. That's just yeah. It sounds like it's just a good card by itself. Like, all right, true, true. Also in MTG news, uh, they are introducing golden packs now. Oh no! What the fuck is, is it like? Every ten packs you buy, you get a golden pack containing six rares or mythics from standard legal sets that aren't duplicates of your current collection. It's just a freebie. They're just adding a little more value. It's like that okay. every six you get a mythic wild card, except this way it's every ten you get basically six filler of whatever the fuck you didn't have. Already. Now let's see. I wonder if uh, buying packs if that only applies to like do bundles count. I wonder how that's gonna. I don't know. I I, haven't <laughs> looked, I thought about that too because I'm like, what if I buy the you know the, the pre-release bundle, the eighteen thousand gem bundle? Is it going to give me nine of these golden packs? Or does, that could be does enough it work to like the everything. wild cards where it cares about how many packs you open? So like even your daily packs lead to that, or is it only purchased? Yeah, I, I, I know it works on with gold or gems, so I assume it's purchased, but it could be opened. I don't know. We'll it find probably out. won't be opened, but yeah, I wonder if the bundles are going to count those because that would be their sneaky way around. We know everybody likes buying the bundles. We want you to buy packs. <laughs> I want you to click this button 90 times. Because <laughs> then you don't have the, the amount to go play drafts. <laughs> and then click the confirm button 90 times off after also. <laughs> that, did, that didn't get fixed yet? I don't know. I haven't checked it. I've just bought bundles for months now. Most of the year. So I, I never really checked it. I know that they fixed the ability to open What am packs. I thinking that you bought a pack one at a time? Right. No, the only time he cracks packs is when, uh, oh shoot, somehow I didn't have the, 
any of this weird, obscure, rare. Well, let's see if it's any good. No, I got four already. I just, I just opened packs until I used up all my uh, free rares that I generated. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> How it goes. How it goes. But either way, five golden, minutes later, this deck is horrible. Golden. <laughs> I'm cutting these. <laughs> well, yeah. Gots to, gots to give it a shot. Either way, golden packs coming in. I'm happy about that. That's, you know, again, just a freebie from Wizards to us. And it's it's long overdue, especially since they started tracking uh, tracking all those like collections. How much have you collected from this set? Because this will help fill out a lot of those for people. Because they can't be duplicates, you know what I mean? That Yeah, those, those little charts are fucking evil. I mean, it, it has no power over me, but I recognized right away the power that was going to have. Over all the OCD over triggers. Over so yeah. many players that are looking, at, especially like if they have one set collected, but it's not their favorite set. Catch them all. <laughs> right? Like make it Pokemon. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad every time that they improve the, the value that you get from the app. I know that it's like the stingiest app compared to other apps that you can play card games on and oh, shit. Oh, for freemium models? Yes, it right. is. Right. It's not close, actually. I kind of never cared, right. you know, because, like, I always <laughs> just compared it to what it costs to do it in person, which is also, if we're talking about the mechanics of playing the game itself and building decks, more difficult. Yes. Like, sleeving, de-sleeving, organizing your collection, shit like that. Having I mean, to trade. So. Yeah, it's, it's all fine and dandy when you're 13 and you've got all fucking summer. <laughs> but... It was also all fine and dandy when trading and selling were viable tournament things and it wasn't just all run through the, all the you know collect the, the, the major dealers players. and things yeah because yeah, i'll run through with that phyrexian gorger oh, yeah. <laughs> but dude the dealers just have no dealers time. turned to the point that most trading and things like that people don't do that as much at tournaments at least last time i went to them because it was just I haven't been to Why a bother? tournament since pre-COVID, so I don't know. I haven't. <laughs> what what got me to quit? I liked trading, but what got me to quit trading is they were, I would consistently show up and people would have like this binder that they wouldn't be trading shit out of, but they wouldn't tell you until you flipped through it. Oh, yeah. And, I always wondered and why was people always like, did that. Right. Like, they, like you got to see their cool cards. Like, no, no, that's not for trade. Like, what, what the, why am I fucking looking at it then? Also, why did you bring it? Because it's not in a deck. Right, yeah, yeah. You're gonna like read, gonna build Abzan binder real quick before F and M, or <laughs> like I'd bring an extra binder with me to everything, but it was just the other tournament cards I might want. I wasn't like put out with trade stuff. But then, then I'd see like, okay, let me look at your trade binder, and then it'd be just garbage. You know, maybe I'd want some of the garbage because I like playing with garbage. Sure. But then they but, want a star. Right, right, right. They want like a fifty dollar card from me, and they're like, well, you know, there's like you can find fifty dollars worth. Like I'm not gonna fucking do that. Fuck you. Yeah. You know, that's just stupid. And that's that's what so many of the trades I was running into because yeah I'd like yeah. have a fifty dollar card and be like cool I want some shock lands yeah They're like well no I'm gonna keep all my play sets together like I want to keep all the things that I have too but that's not what how a we're fucking trading trade right works now. yeah I'm not I'm not the <laughs> card store I'm not just gonna take all your junk and I of course never bothered having this conversation with anybody because it's pointless right but. Yeah, it was probably four or five different times I went to go trade cards and anybody who showed up with binders, it was that. It was the binder that I look at at first. Never mind, that's not for trade. And then the binder full of garbage that they expect me to pick like 18 cards from so that they can have like a, a sweet worm coil engine that I opened in a pack. I think I think my favorite ones were the you're flipping your binder and you're pulling the cards out. And they're like, uh, that one, I'm going to hold on to those. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. then you put a couple more and you pull things like, I'm not trading those either. And then you're like, so is is anything in this trade? Yeah. Oh no, it's just a few cards. Sometimes, always, whatever you pull. Yeah. If it's a remotely good card, if you if you pull out something that like, oh, here's a bad 
fun rare that I like the artwork on. They don't say a word. <laughs> Motherfuckers really like the idea of getting new cards, but they really hate the idea of like trading anything of value in exchange for it. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah, that's the problem. It's like if, if they're just gonna be straight up like, hey, I'm only gonna trade you trash, sometimes I'm up for that. <laughs> but for real, you know, sometimes I just want a shitload of random cards that like could be in the cube. Maybe I'm building a commander deck. Maybe I'm doing both of those things simultaneously and I'll build like kitchen table decks. Sure. So I've traded like one good card for a stack of garbage a few times and been glad to do it. But it's this like fucking stupid dance around, you know, what's even for trade. And then sooner or later you start thinking about how time's money and this is frustrating. Mm -hmm. And why not just work for the money, use the money to buy the cards and, and fuck this guy. <laughs> Though there was occasionally the awesome person who, okay, uh, this is the tournament uh, binder cards. This is a uh, trash rare, a uh, trash binder, just so you know, whichever uh, you're interested in. Because it was then fun. You're like, go look at the trash binder now. What's this got in it? <laughs> yeah, when, they, when they're upfront about it, it's excellent. It's when they bait and switch that it's annoying as fuck. You know, the closest thing I do to trading now is I just sometimes give people cards. <laughs> you know and sometimes people like you've both just given me cards because you know i'm building some random deck mm -hmm. or sure. like it's for the cube or something You're like oh yeah here you go that'll go in that yeah and yeah sometimes other people are building a deck and i'm just like oh shit i've got cards that go for that like whatever it's it's, it's almost like bumming cigarettes anymore <laughs> yeah yeah because <laughs> almost it's almost never the cards that are like a hundred plus dollars it's usually shit that's like five bucks and like why wouldn't you who cares <laughs> Five bucks if you buy it from a place of commerce and much right. less if you're trying to sell it to fucking anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Then it's like two dollars max kind of thing. Right. Or you just get you, get you get fucked on like even if you want to eBay it because then you got your transaction cost, your shipping, the pain in the ass of doing it. So, yeah, there's so many cards where it's like, just have it, bro. Right. Right. We've we've done that a lot over the years. And I don't know. That's I, I've stayed out of paper magic since I sold out the last time and I'm pretty happy that all i have is this beautiful vintage you're back into paper magic you're just into a different kind of paper magic i'm into unsponsored paper magic <laughs> at this point <laughs> i'm into magic the playing cards i'm into the ten thousand dollar proxy play now, did, did you ever see those <laughs> the deck of uh actual playing cards wizards what? of the coast put out what uh, back like in the 90s, deck? officially poker deck, Magic the Gathering backs, poker decks, they were out for a while. They're all, they're expensive as hell now and impossible to find. It. I bet that place that we get all our sweet proxies from <laughs> could supply us if we, oh, were, no, I, if I, we really wanted it. I, I kind of want it to be the like. The Secretist Layer? They could yeah. do it. No, yeah, yeah, no the, I want to I want to get one. The Super Secret Layer. <laughs> I think I, I think I still know someone who has one and I just thought of it now. It's like, I want to have it so I can put it as like a, a cool ownership thing. I'm not going to use it. It's just, yeah. Because it's in the revised, like. You just want it to flex. Well, yeah, like, you little cool hipster. Flex. Don't don't try to play this. You no, just no, want I'm not the rare I, thing to have it. I think it's cool. <laughs> he's 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 sitting here in a I'm not cardigan. I'm not trying to fake it. This, I was this open. This is your Tech Nine album that, that you're was, buying. I was open. <laughs> no, that was, you think Wu Tang? Wu Tang. Sorry. Yes, the Wu Tang album. Tech Nine is like the fucking opposite of Wu Tang. <laughs> Te Tech Nine is playing three festivals right now. <laughs> that is Tech Nine. They're at everything, and one of them's death metal. Like one of them's one of them's with ICP or like Twisted. One of them's with like fucking Slipknot or something or like Lamb of God. That's not even an exaggeration. When we went to Knotfest, Tech Nine, Lamb of God, and Slipknot were on the lineup. Tech That's Nine true. comes up to you scratching. Yo, you got a show? We we showed up like right after Tech Nine played, which I was okay with. Uh, to be fair, I've li I've seen Tech Nine live twice on accident. And again, never went to go see their show. They just were always there at the various bands and shit that I went to see when I was in college. Yeah. And I didn't mind seeing their shit because every time they put everybody in a vibe, like, let's all like smoke up, let's all drink up, oh, let's Tech get Nine's ready. Awesome, yeah. You know, like it, it really, they set the party vibe 
right. <laughs> Tech Nine's Tech Nine's awesome, but it, Slipknot, like I like that they do that. That I saw them uh, the next time I saw them after that Cypress Hill opened for them. Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> and it was indoors, and it smelled great. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, like those. I, I didn't mind missing him that day because it wasn't like, oh, I don't like Tech Nine. Tech Nine's just fine. Right. It's just, you know, we were going to be there for, we were there for hours and hours and hours of music and then hours and hours and hours to fucking leave because yeah. it was all on those goddamn buses. Oh, man. I forgot about that. Yeah. So it was mostly like, I just didn't need another hour there for <laughs> Tech Nine's sake. I was fine rolling in with like Gojira's first song that was fucking perfect. It was a great festival. That's for damn sure. Not fest always worthwhile and if you're listening to this and you don't really know who slipknot is go check him out you know who slipknot is you do you, you, you fucking you know, know. <laughs> you, i don't know we're, we're on the charts in France. I, I can't say that they all know slipknot you know what i mean it's one of the weirdest little things that came up when i was Slip, looking at our demographic Slipknot's new record is either number one or number two at least last week almost everywhere for metal or just across period like over pop period yeah, they, they are a pop band I think Taylor Swift is the one I taking mean, things yeah, now. Yeah, Taylor Swift's record's out now, but I'm yeah. saying before that. Before like when, I believe when the it was Slipknot Slipknot record holding. came out, yeah. which was in the last several weeks, yep. right. it was holding number one, number two, almost everywhere. And like, yeah, they oh. don't sound necessarily like a pop band because they're usually heavier than shit. Right. But they've got the big pop choruses and like everyone knows who they are. It's kind of like Kiss at this point. You know, they, they were intense and scary to parents at one point, but... Yeah. Now it's like parents taking their kids to see Slipknot and True. Slipknot <laughs> takes Slipknot's kids to open for Slipknot. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, that, a, it's a whole family thing now. I, I do kind of like the fact it's that we wholesome. I was going to say, I like that, though. We saw them at the state fair. Yeah, that's wholesome. <laughs> I loved it, man. I, we had uh, multiple people come up and wish us happy Slipknot day and try to hand us $10 beers. Yeah, that was wild. That was awesome. <laughs> they were just so ex like these dads with clearly severe back pain are just like i remember when i could headbang and mosh pit and i'm coming back baby that's, that's one of the best things about it because like you go to the slipknot show and everybody like i recognize everyone that's been going for 20 years even if i don't know them because i've been going for 20 years right and yeah we're, we're all kind of like six to ten feet removed from where the pit's going yep. and there's like all the teenagers and, and like 20 somethings just tearing the shit out of each other and you just feel proud yeah you just feel everyone feels proud you stand there like these motherfucking kids are throwing the fuck down it you is know? a proud dad moment for got, all the fans you got all these motherfuckers up on stage whose ages definitely round up to 50 at this point <laughs> and they're destroying except for like jay weinberg and, and sure. maybe v-man the new members Right. But like the classics, right? They're all pushing fifty. Well, the the new custom percussion guy, I think, is in that age range too. Michael Faff that took the job from uh, what's his face that like jacked his nose off, and then <laughs> like they're my second favorite band, and I always space his name. <laughs> so important, Chris Fain. Uh, I'll be honest, that's exactly how I remember too. The one that jacks his nose right, off. The one that jacks his nose <laughs> off. Like he 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 put on a really good performance one time when I saw him when they were like touring for Subliminal Verses. Okay, and uh. I'm I'm like front row getting my ribs crushed against the barricade and it's awesome. Right. And everyone's thirsty as shit. And motherfucker rolls out because some of the other members of, of Slipknot and other bands are like throwing water bottles because they have infinity water bottles on stage. Right. Into the crowd. And the crowd people are being cool, passing around, like take a drink, pass it, take a drink. Everyone gets a little bit. Right. You know, we're, we're doing it very communist. It was sick. But Chris, Chris Fain comes over 
with a water bottle and just like pours it out in front of everybody and then flips us off. <laughs> and that was so much better. So I, I won't say he wasn't an artist. <laughs> he probably just shouldn't have sued that band. Yeah. There is probably that. shouldn't have strangled that golden goose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he kind of punched his own meal ticket out right there. Oof. Yeah. Well, it, actually it, it made Slipknot a lot better because Michael Pfaff is a hell of a percussionist. Fair. Fair. Unfortunately, Taylor Swift is on to what is the album Midnight, and that's yes, that's I, I'm, go, I'm going to listen to. It. I'm actually going to do that tonight. I, I've heard both sides of that uh, review because some people absolutely love it, say it's their best thing yet, and a lot of people are on the other side of that. The, the way I understand it is, if you shop at Target like every week, you're gonna love this record. Yeah, I, I did see a few things that said <laughs> if this you is get better Starbucks than 19. You're gonna love this shit. Yeah, it, I, it's not. If it's better than a 1989 album doubt it i that's that's my gauge if it's as good as okay but anything less fuck off i've heard uh one of the songs from it or you know like the way shit goes viral on tiktok like one line from it right it's the like hey i'm the problem it's me oh yeah so that's that song is already iconic yeah it's quite the music video actually uh -oh. I've, I've heard i've heard a little bit of the record i wasn't uh -oh. impressed by it i didn't dislike it either but sometimes when i hear shit the first time i really don't like it like a uh, sear by smashing pumpkins fair i i talked so much shit about that record for like two weeks and i listened to it like a third or fourth time i was like oh wait it's brilliant <laughs> i'm the idiot <laughs> so Who's the goose? It, it, it could be it could be that the taylor swift album something like that where like i i just can't hear how good it is on the first pass and she's capable of that it took me a minute with a few different albums over the years tool when they put out their latest one it it took me a moment to appreciate it for yeah, what it was yeah same and like i super love tool one year on fucking the spotify end of year i was in the top one percent of tool listeners <laughs> but when fear inoculum came out i straight up hated it yeah because of the vocals and like the lyrics and and got together with two or three other guys and we're talking about like stripping the vocals off of it and getting together with a handful of people to like fix their record. And then a month later we, we get together and we're having a couple of drinks and there's like, everyone's just kind of awkwardly like, yeah, we were wrong. It's brilliant. It's fucking amazing. We're idiots. Um, you want to listen to that record like four times in a row? Me too. Let's do it. Let's go. Sort of how I felt with, uh, what was it? Kanye's Donda album. I didn't love that album immediately either. It took me a minute to really get into it. But, you know, now I probably have to get back out of it because apparently he's anti-Semitic and into Hitler or something. He only wanted to name an album after Hitler. <sighs> Come on. It's not yeah. Oh, this is. Yeah, he said Jesus he wanted Christ. to name an album after Hitler. And then lost every sponsor he's had. And um, he just pulled out. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just gone big. Pulled out. Um, well, it's like the release of his. Uh, uh, how he was prepping to uh, the idea of running as VP for Donald Trump. Yes. Oh. At some point, he's going to start taking his medication again, oh, either, buddy. either because he eventually like hits rock bottom and decides to do it or because he gets committed. I could see the latter happening before the former, frankly. Um, but like the, the medication will flow again one way or another. I'm, I'm highly confident that unless he like dies soon. Right. Which seems unlikely. He might douse himself and light himself on fire. You never know. Now, he really loves him. <laughs> He might think that he'd live through it. He might think he's a Targaryen. Next. Kanye loves Kanye the way Kanye loves Kanye. You know, <laughs> like he's Kanye would never do that to Kanye. But like Kanye has no idea what Kanye is doing to Kanye because they can't fucking get their script straight. And once once Kanye takes the medication and it's just Kanye in there, 
Like he, it's going to be, it's going to be like that blackout morning, you know, where oh like, God. you know, you fucked up really hard. <laughs> you wake up the next day with just apology texts and mass everybody. So is Kanye going to play Kanye in the Kanye movie about Kanye? Who else? Um, <laughs> I mean, no, it's going to be played Howard. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> okay, played I, by I, Pete Davidson. I think, no, I think, I think we're on to something there. Terrence Howard. No, I want Pete Davidson in blackface. I, I want to see him try and pull that off. Fuck Terrence Howard. Let's get Don <laughs> Cheadle in there. Yeah. <laughs> I changed my mind. No, no, no. I want Terrence Howard for the first act and then fire him and get Don Cheadle. That would be so fucking perfect. And, and Don Cheadle could be like crazy Kanye. So this means it'll just be Danny Glover, right? No, no, it, it would be like Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, you know, because like, like Terrence that. Howard would be like the college era Kanye. <laughs> Okay, and then, okay. then like 808s would just happen off screen with a time lapse. And then we just come back with dark, twisted, beautiful fantasy Kanye. And it's Don Cheadle. It's crazy Kanye. I could see a progression where it starts with college Kanye and it's Danny Glover. And then, and then after, <laughs> and after Donda, yeah. it switches over and Chris Pratt is Kanye. <laughs> I still want it to be Pete Davidson. Although he did just do an iconic Taco Bell commercial where he points at a Taco Bell crunch wrap, forgets the line and goes, this, this thing, that's what you need to eat. And they just kept it and are rolling with it. I, I hope Adidas picks him up. That would be amazing if all of Kanye's sponsors just flocked to Davidson. Oh, all oh, the rage. You know that. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I support that. Charlie Brown. If you made Pete Davidson a billionaire, he just might be ethical about it. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, shit, I don't need this much money for weed. I, what, what can we fix with this? God damn. Either that or he might finally try to sink Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Like he's Why are you blowing all your money buying up every bit of land? Because I'm going to sink it. You don't understand. You I'm going to bring in a lot of a lot of tires and we're going to float it out and get get in real deep. That's the problem. As as he said, it's he's not just going to get rid of the racist cops, but also the racist firefighters. <laughs> oh man. We don't need to worry about them so much. They don't have guns. That's true. That's true. Not that fire hoses have never been put to ill effect, but <laughs> very, very few lethal effects. It, at least it takes a minute to set that fucker up. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> then you're getting into a very different scenario. Can you imagine the firefighter that just hosed some motherfucker down with like that they had no right to do it? Get him with that high pressure shit. Like I feared for my life. And it's like, how long did it take you to put the hose on and open? That? <laughs> like, he was he he definitely had a weapon. And would have killed me if I hadn't <laughs> sprayed him within 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah. This is why nobody's written a song called Fuck the Firefighters. There is no Fuck the Firefighters song. <laughs> yeah. And if there is, it was written by a cop. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Definitely a cop who lost his wife to the firefighters. The only people who hate firefighters are cops. Uh, see the, uh, the departed. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. Go save a fucking kitten up a yeah. tree. Yeah. He's <laughs> never gotten pussy in the history of fire or... <laughs> okay. It's a hell of a line. Yeah. <laughs> That's a masterpiece of a movie, though. Departed? Yeah. Definitely one I thought uh, DiCaprio would have won his Oscar for, but not not to happen until he put out three more masterpieces. If you're including the one he won the oscar for it's not a masterpiece it's i was really not, a drab movie I, I was not no like that that i i was i was with the revenant until like even through that crazy bear bullshit <laughs> which is why i won't watch it again because that was too fucked up i don't want to see that again but like 
I was fine. Like, okay, that's a good scene. You did it well. I don't need to see it again. Whatever. There's good movies like that. We're moving on. But when he fucking rode a horse off of a cliff and like landed in a tree and had this Grand Theft Auto physics, and then he got to the bottom and, and did the fucking Empire Strikes Back thing of like lightsabering his horse open and crawling in for the night. Yeah. After he already like got fucking beaten so badly and so fucked up from the opening scenes that they literally buried his ass alive. Right. And then he's like fucking rolling through the, the river. It's like, fuck that. He's dead. He's dead a long time ago. Yeah. And I don't care if you're fully healthy. You're dead when you fucking ride a horse off a cliff. <laughs> but he just got in there like it was a goddamn back to tank. And then after that, he was a murder machine. It's basically what you're saying is skip the first half of the movie and enjoy the murder machine, Caprio. <laughs> I, I almost say skip the movie. Look, I if, did. Look, <laughs> I, let's make DiCaprio do Rambo. We'll all be entertained. Better movie. Uh, no, I want Robert Downey Jr. I want him back from Tropic Thunder and full blackface for Rambo. Let's do it. Let's bring okay, if we're going. I, to, I if, want them both in the movie, and I want Tarantino directing it. I still yeah. want Tropic Thunder too. And then I want Predator to show up. Okay, I would be so down for Tropic Thunder. Get Jack. Get that whole cast back. Oh fuck yeah! They everybody wants to. Well, I don't know if Tom Cruise does, but I, yeah, everyone's interested. No one has time to to get the ideas and things together. They've all said they were interested in uh, you know, that, but well, Iron look Man at all died. of their careers. He's got time. All their careers are crazy. <laughs> Yeah, Iron Man died. He's yeah, got I kinda time. Wa- I kind of wonder on the, those sort of things, though. You know, like if you if you hang out around a bunch of people and some of them like playing bands and shit, there yeah. there will be people that like every time they get some drinks and they're like, "Oh man, we're gonna start a band and we're gonna do all this shit." And you just learn to be like, "Yeah, totally," because mm-hmm. it's never gonna happen. Yep. True. And I got to imagine that 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 flakiness and and um, actors manic no manic uh, manifestation probably happens a lot in L.A. No. Actors aren't flaky about anything. They show up to every shift of work. I have it no got idea. really, it got really good when there was the writers' strike uh, a few oh years back, a few many years back. Yeah, the writers' strike. That's how we got, got Doctor Horrible's sing along blog and stuff like that. And they all promised, they're like, if we, this happens again, we'll we'll make the next one. But we, you know, it's got to be when none of us have work that we can do, and we just have to do stuff for fun. <laughs> mm, fair. Wasn't that NPH's thing? Uh, he was one of the people involved. Yes, he was Doctor Horrible. So was Nathan, so was Nathan me, Fillion. I know you had me watch it. Drunk it was once. Captain Hammer. Really yeah, it. Nathan Fillion plays Captain Hammer. Nathan Fillion. You is, don't remember Doctor Horrible's sing along blog? No, it's amazing. It. There's, a, there's a whole song where like Captain Hammer is singing about how he can't wait to hook up with this woman for the second time because the second time's when you get to do the weird stuff. <laughs> Good job, Nathan Fillion. Yeah, accurate. Yeah. I like how how do you not have that song memorized and and <laughs> tattooed to you somewhere? Well, you know, blackouts. Mostly. There just comes a point where you don't remember all these things. That and just generally singing about your penis the whole time since that's what Captain Hammer does. Smart man. Gotta advertise. Proper. Proper. Yeah, I'll probably have to give it a watch. <laughs> I got to know if Nathan Fillion can... Well, he clearly pulled it off. People love it. So. Nathan Fillion pulls off everything. When has Nathan Fillion ever not delivered? The rookie. Did Nathan Fillion not deliver or did it? was it a bad, bad thing by itself? Him as a cop doesn't work. I never saw it. Yeah, it just doesn't work with it. It's not believable. You know what I mean? Especially after Firefly and having known him and all the other stuff. It's just Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer. What was he in Buffy? He was the priest acolyte in the final season of Buffy. Oh, it's been a minute since I saw that one. Uh, Jacob or something like that. But yeah, he was the the disciple of the 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 one the fi- the final evil. 
Yeah, I totally believe him for that. But him as a cop after seeing Firefly is just hard. You that's know that's I mean? your your fucking mistake for watching a cop show. I had Nathan Philly and I had to know. And the answer was it's like every other cop show ever. Really good copaganda and not much else. Copaganda. I like it. And that's why Brooklyn Nine Nine got uh went went its separate way because it was ready to go for another like three seasons and all the actors got together and said, We can't keep making this. This is like copaganda at this point, and they just they ended the show. I I haven't watched it, so I don't know what was actually happening. Oh, if you smash, yeah, if you if you watch the final season of it, like they have most of the cast resign from being police officers during the season. That was they're like, okay, COVID happened. We've all had time to sit back and think about what we're putting out into the world. We're not doing this, but we owe everybody goodbye. Really cop positive. No, but it's it's funny, and they're cops, and it has a lot of that like forgiveness for errors kind of vibe to it. You know what I mean? Okay. And they're doing it in the context of comedy. It's really funny because it's Andy Samberg's show and he's hilarious. And I love that show. But <clears throat> yeah, by the time you get to the last season, you can tell that there's a completely different vibe for the like very almost, last season. Almost every cop show is cop again to some extent. I'm thinking of like right. The Wire, right? Right. Where the cops are, they're doing a bunch of like illegal shit straight through it. Like the, there's two cops. Like I remember McNulty was one of them. Right. And then there was the guy that's like, oh, yeah. Shit. yeah, no, that's the, that, one of the greatest television shows that's ever been done in the history of television It's a damn good television show. But those motherfuckers would like drunk drive every night and laugh about it. Right. Right. And that was a show that turn, like, just took turn its, on your lights, took itself halfway seriously, depending on what episode. I mean, it was really early in HBO figuring out mm-hmm. their thing. But I mean, even 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 that was like, oh, it's it's the lighter side of cops driving drunk all the time. Right. <laughs> Fighting the dark side of crime yeah and when you put a bunch of really good comedians in cop uniforms as we've seen with super troopers people are going to watch it it's going to become iconic well reno 9-11 yeah exactly hey, that that one is not not copaganda that's a great cop tv show because you know it shows the yeah, lighter I, side I, of nothing <laughs> I, I haven't seen reno 911 in a really long time but i, I remember that being pretty good yeah Point being, that was why they ended Brooklyn Nine Nine because they're like, even if we like try to keep this as positive as possible and make it more, but you know, like even if we try to fix it as much, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can do. And so they just went with, okay, everybody's getting fired or resigning on the last season, and like one of the main badass bitches just goes, I didn't want to do it, and just does edibles for most of the season on you know Uh screen, but just laughs at the other cops the whole time, like I'm so high, fuck you, it's legal. (laughs) It's great. You, you've just convinced me. I'm going to go watch Jackie Chan's Super Cop right after this. I was unaware of that existing like at all. I have almost all of Jackie Chan's movies. Fair. The only cop movie is RoboCop and, and Kindergarten Cop <laughs> and Cop Dog, which is uh, he's actually a ghost. He's neither a dog nor a cop. Uh, regardless, uh, Copaganda and whatnot. Do you think Wizards is going to crack down more on proxies? If they do, they're going to come for us. <laughs> it's like, of all the people they could come for, we've been pretty verbose about fuck them on the proxies. But uh, honestly, proxies have been a staple of this game for ever. This is not their first round of essentially proxies because world championship <laughs> decks were kind of that. Yeah, like, I mean? this is not unprecedented. We have had this for a while. It's just never been in such a bold fashion as packs. Right. The question is, if they're going to start making packs that cost a lot of money to make these proxies that they damn well know I, I people think can do elsewhere. Ju- I think they're just dipping their toes in the water right now. Okay. 
They're trying yeah. to figure out if people are cool with maybe massively reprinting a bunch of shit. And, uh, you know, because... Can I offer a conspiracy? <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Uh, here's my conspiracy. They knew this would piss people off because they're not stupid as fucking fuck. Fair. Because okay. you'd have to be stupid as fucking fuck. No, very, very fair. To think that you could sell 60 fake fucking cards, not even a deck, but packs that you can't play for $1,000. I think the goal is to make people go like, oh man, I really want that. I just can't have it. And then they sent it to millionaires and celebrities for free. Right. So they'll, they'll get to see people that they'll see in their social media feeds, putting their hands on the cards and seeing how like real and cool looking they are and shit like that. And, and people are going to want them and they wizards is going to do what they always do where they're going to like backtrack. But the backtrack is in my opinion, pretty much always planned. They're like, okay, we, we heard the backlash, everybody, and you're right. $1,000 was too much. So we're going to be selling these packs for the low, low price of 25 bucks each. I can see them doing that because a lot of people have espoused opinions that they'd have bought it if it were cheaper. Yep. Yep. This is, this is what something a deal to from 1000 to 25 Because like, that, that's the thing. Like, if it's accessible, if it's totally accessible, it's not exciting. Right. And they got it like... Can you imagine they're trying to figure out how to market this? Like, okay, so we're going to print these cards because nobody has these cards and they cost a million dollars. But then if everybody has these cards, nobody cares about these cards. Right. So what do we do to make these really rare, but like also attainable? And I, I think... Now, do the backs on these look like normal magic cards? No. No. no okay. No. Very specific back that has MTG 30th anniversary collector. Anyone want to put money on Wizards eventually if they go that route? Um, making the... Uh, in tournaments, if it is an official... Uh, Wizards of the Coast Magic the Gathering card with a different back than the regu regular Magic the Gathering cards. They are legal to play in tournaments so long as your sleeves do make it so it can't be seen. Uh, that will be at your judges and tournaments discretion. There's, there's that. There. I could see that. I guess I'll put it this way. To me, this feels like what uh, Darth Cameron would say is what you described to me at one point happening in the 90s with comics. Yeah. Because they're doing it with secret layers. There's so many different alternate covers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they've flooded the market so much that now they're seeking to regain some version of rarity. And that's what they've done. And I, your conspiracy theory may be dead on. Well, you know what I mean? Kind of the thing, though, is like they the, the, the secret layer stuff that was really like sexy for a second. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the whatever masters said it was that had the box toppers in it? That's just the extended art cards we have now. Right. Nobody gives a flying fuck about extended art cards now. Right. It's it's like the dumbest one, in my opinion. But when they were only the the box toppers from like Ultimate Masters or whatever the fuck it was, right? Those cards were like money until yeah. they printed all that shit again into oblivion in a matter of months. And then you get like the secret layers that start out, and it, yeah, it's like really sexy at first, and they get to start with like iconic things like lightning bolts and serum visions. But then they make more, 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 more. But I I think you get people into a rhythm of buying these products though. Mm. The people who get into secret layers are just going to like, they're always going to check it out. And if there's one that strikes their fancy, they're already mentally engaged and they've, they're, they've been training themselves to do it is like, okay, if there's a secret layer I like, I'm going to spend, you know, maybe 50, maybe a hundred bucks. Sure. Get one of this, one of that, whatever. Sure. And it's just built in. And I think they're just trying to build in like more layers of product purchasing and more angles of it. I bought like four copies of the Bob Ross one. Sounds about right. Right. Yeah. Like some secret layers will just get you here and there because they're, yeah. they're just like dope. But yeah. <laughs> they Wizards has been making more and more and more money and they've been putting out more and more and more products. 
I, I see a correlation, you know, they're, they're probably just going to keep doing that. So like, this will be the big fancy expensive thing. They'll bring it back down to earth. And for some people that'll make wizards look like the good guys and people will buy them at 25 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever the fuck they bring them down to Sure. and wait a few years and there'll be some other crazy thing, but they always do it like with uh, Gen Con or something sure. or Comic Con maybe. There's always, you know, there's only a couple thousand. You've got to go to the convention and then you got to spend a bunch of money, but they always have this insane resell value. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that. And they did that for a number of years. For all I know, they still do it. But that's the thing is like it, it was it was newsworthy for a while. <coughs> and any stupid fucking card they printed would be worth hella, even if it was just <coughs> horse set planeswalkers that no one ever played outside of a draft. Hmm. Because they'd never done shit like that before. They do it three or four years. No one cares anymore. So you're saying this could be just a cyclical routine where they went from one product to the next and they'll continue to do it with different and new innovations that are really just modifications Not or variants. Not cyclical spiraling because I think people build it into their consumption that like, you know, a new set comes out that. and I buy some packs of this and then a secret layer comes out and, you know, like the Libra ones. So like I'll get my Libra lands and I'm a Capricorn. I got to own this. Right, right, right. Whatever. And then you like, you know, you play some commander and there's, there's multiple commander products for literally every set. There's independent commander sets. Do you think this will eventually backfire like it did on the comic book world in the nineties? The comic book world in the nineties suffered from not only oversaturation, but the content. Yeah. That's part of the problem is like the comic books are only comic books if they're not worth money. The magic cards are still functional game pieces. Yeah. Interesting. That is a key difference. And, yep. and really, there's not that many of them that are worth that much money anymore. Right? So th- there'll be cards in standard like Meat Hook Massacre when, when it was in standard and it was like above 60 bucks. Or even Goldspan Dragon at one point was north of 60 bucks, but like nothing else is worth any money. Right. It all just goes into a few like rare and mythic rare cards that cost everything. It's how to make standard ensure that it's a little still bit expensive because if you want to play competitively, you have to buy these expensive cards. So that means that when they drop in value, you get rid of them to someone else. And then when you go to play the older formats, which are already expensive, haha. There is that. I mean, for a long time with the cube, uh, you told me that you waited till standard rotated out. And then that was the year after it rotated that you picked up all the stuff. Yeah, that's typically how mm-hmm. I do it. And because prices drop right immediately. Yeah, prices drop really hard. Many times they go back up too, but. There's Although, that great little time. <laughs> part, part, of, part of the point of waiting with the cube as well is to see what everyone's sick of. Oh, right. You right. know, because like when Cons of Tarkir came out, I would have been thinking, Siege Rhino, that's amazing. That card is awesome. I want to play that all the time. But, you know, after two years of that in standard, I, I don't really need to. Outruns Epiphany, another great example. That's actually in the cube. And wait, <laughs> shit. But, wait. but there's not, there's, there's not like, there's no way to abuse it. There's not an engine. Can't Siege Rhino not go in there because it's, it comes into play triggered effect on a creature. Right. It wouldn't fit okay. in the current design anyway. Yeah. That's going to be a whole other podcast to go into the entire cube design. But Just so you know, this is one of the, this is yeah. one of the greatest design cubes I have ever seen. Actually, actually that's we're we're talking about setting up, you know, cause we, at some point we got to put some of these episodes in the tanks. We're not going to be able to record for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And that'd be a fine one to do it for. Yeah. That would be explaining and coming in the future, all the the cube (laughs) to a theater near you. Yeah. Get ready for sit in the theater and listen to your phone. That's true. At first they were just magic cards. Soon they would become the cube. (laughs) Man, your your porn voice is just getting better and better over the years. (laughs) What kind of porn are you watching? None. Anyway, (laughs) I I plead the, I plead the 69th. Now, Get 
on your knees. Christ. Anyway. Your microphone does say daddy. <laughs> Thanks like for it. that. <laughs> You're welcome. I think we'll leave it at there for the week. Uh, you know, daddy ricked us out. <laughs> See you later, you dirty little bitches. Yeah, do it. <laughs>